our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. They were too fast to be an airplane. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where the truth will set you free. I am your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for tuning in. We have a great show in store for you tonight, and our guest is Stephen Bassett, the authority in the United States on the topic of extraterrestrial disclosure, which is one of the reasons why we created this show. I have to tell you, I honestly did not expect the massive response received about our first show and the exclusive interview we conducted with Milton Torres. By the way, you can email your questions or comments to me or our future guests to mel, that's M-E-L, at veritasshow.com. I want you, the audience, to be as involved as I am with the show and its guests. Remember, I am just one of you asking the questions. Some of the messages received talked about how interesting it was to see the type of sophisticated technology they had back in the 50s. I talked about this in detail with Dr. Torres prior to the interview and regret that we did not spend enough time discussing it. The fact he had a system that would override the trigger if an object was no longer on the radar really surprised me. I expected this technology to exist many years or decades later, but not in the 50s. Isn't it interesting that it takes 15 to 20 years, and sometimes even longer, before the population finds out about the technology the military truly has? Obviously, for national security reasons. I have heard from some credible sources that the B-2 bomber has anti-gravitic and electromagnetic technology to make it more fuel efficient. I cannot confirm this, but it would not surprise me. As you may have noticed, we ask the questions others in the media will not dare or are told not to ask. One person even said the interview was a bit controversial. That is perfectly fine. We are transparent, do not have a script, and will never censor our guests. Did you know Miles O'Brien, space correspondent for CNN, who also interviewed Milton Torres and has been covering all sorts of UFO topics, was abruptly fired just a few days ago? According to Richard C. Hoagland, it was because he covered a segment that showed fossils found on the surface of Mars. What are they hiding? Don't worry, no one will fire me, even if it turns out we are the last bastion of truth standing. At any rate, thank you for your comments, feedback and questions, and please keep them coming. Now before we get into tonight's show, let's analyze some current world events. This time, I'm choosing India and Pakistan. The potential nuclear exchange between India and Pakistan is more real than most people think. 
whether this was a false flag event, the equivalent of our September the 11th or not, what if they did start trading nuclear weapons? India has 80 atomic bombs. Pakistan has 40. Those are missiles that can reach each other's cities in a matter of minutes. India and Pakistan operate their missiles on a launch on warning status. What does that mean? It means that if you detect what you think is a missile from the other side, you cannot wait for that missile to land because one minute later, you are vapor in the ionosphere. You have to launch your missile immediately. So, a large bird, for example, could conceivably set off a nuclear war, a tripwire between countries that have a launch on warning status. Now, that's very bad. Because even between the Soviet Union and the United States, storms, for example, would periodically set off the warning systems. And again, India and Pakistan have a system that is much more primitive than what we had with the Soviet Union. We at least had a 30-minute warning. We had 30 minutes before anything could detonate, which gave us some critical time to reason, to make sure it was the real thing. There's not that possibility there. And they're right next to each other. They're eyeball to eyeball. And they have nuclear weapons. And they're in a launch and warning tripwire status. And a bird, a thunderstorm, an itchy finger, a bad word, can literally set off one of the hot zones on planet Earth right now. It's horrible to contemplate this, but that's the way it is. Here, hopefully, in a best-case scenario, China and Russia won't get drawn in if there's an exchange between the two countries. However there will be an enormous amount of fallout. Our military tries to minimize the fallout by fine-tuning. We have, in the United States, second and third generation hydrogen warheads, so we can tune them to decrease the amount of fallout that comes out. What they have are basically first generation bombs, very dirty, very clumsy, very large, and the amount of fallout that's created would be enormous, and a huge cloud would come over the Indian subcontinent and then start to go around the Earth, and within a day or so, that cloud will be traveling over Europe and the United States. So it's not going to be pleasant if something happens, even if the exchange is contained. The fallout is going to spread around the world. And finally, let's not forget that after Chernobyl in Ukraine in 1986, alarms were going off in Europe within a matter of hours. And within a day later, milk in New York City began to register a certain amount of iodine-131. Yes, you heard that right. Even New York City was hit with a tiny amount of radiation from Chernobyl as the winds were carried around the world. That was a radiation leak. Imagine what 120 atomic bombs could do. We'll keep our eyes open as this story develops, and I hope you do too. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with tonight's guest, Stephen Bassett. Don't go anywhere. If you really want to know the latest about this closure, this is an interview you really don't want to miss. Stephen Bassett is arguably the leading advocate in the United States for ending the 61-year government-imposed truth embargo regarding an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race. He's a political activist, lobbyist, commentator, and columnist. He's the founder of the Paradigm Research Group, the executive director of the Extraterrestrial Phenomena Political Action Committee, XPPAC, the creator of the Paradigm Clock, and the executive producer of the X Conference. His work has been covered internationally. Since 1996, he has assisted numerous organizations and initiatives, working to raise public awareness, convene open congressional hearings to take government witness testimony, and end the truth embargo. He has appeared on hundreds of radio and television talk shows and in numerous documentaries speaking to millions of people about the implications and likelihood of disclosure the formal acknowledgement of the extraterrestrial presence by world governments. Stephen Bassett, tonight's guest on The Veritas Show. Hello, Steve, and welcome to the show. It's great to be with you, Mel. It's our pleasure. And I'm so glad you accepted our invitation. As you know from our pre-interview chat, disclosure and exopolitics are very important aspects of this show. 
I want to go over the disclosure process. As you heard, we added John Podesta as part of our intro. And like you, we hope the Obama administration will be the disclosure administration. Although I'm hopeful, I'm positive, I have to play devil's advocate here. Sure. Don't you think that Obama will have his hands full from the beginning? And why are you so confident that he will be the disclosure president? Well, that's a very, very complex question. Sure. Let's begin this way. Um, this disclosure is a big deal. Every president comes into office with a full plate. There's no end to problems that a, major, that a nation like the United States faces and the world and the human race. It's always a full plate. No different for him than anybody else. Disclosure is a huge issue. As far as I'm concerned, it's bigger than any other issue one could name. And it hasn't been addressed simply because the government made a decision that it wasn't going to address it, that it would put off uh, formally uh, and publicly dealing with the ET question until when it was ready. And over the years since that decision was made, Primarily, it was formalized in 52, though it was informally uh, initiated in 47. Uh, over the years, there have been some moments when circumstances may have made, uh, made it possible for disclosure and its acknowledgement of ET presence to take place, but it didn't happen. Uh, the principal barrier was uh, the Cold War, which once it was underway, just made it very difficult for them to take that uh, Uh, maneuver, make that maneuver. It would have been very risky in their mind, and they, it's hard to argue with them. 20,000 nuclear warheads would have made quite a, uh, quite a bang. Sure. So what's happened recently is that the window has opened again, but it's opened wider than ever. So what I'm telling the people and I'm, is that it's, there's no guarantee the disclosure will take place in the next administration, but the window and opportunity for it to take place is as good as it's ever been. And that if we make some efforts on our part, we can close the deal here and get this done. I mean, that's the fundamental message. Right. Now, the other question you ask is, why Obama? Yes. Well, again, it's not so much Obama. He is, he is kind of the guy who, uh, he got the last chair when the music stopped, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, and let's, let's, let me re quickly recap. George Bush, H.W. Bush, would have been the first president uh, able to execute disclosure because the Cold War ended in halfway through his first term. And I think he would have been acceptable to the military intelligence complex. And I, I think there's some indications that they were planning to do disclosure uh, in the early months of his second term, except he didn't get a second term. And so the window closed because Bill Clinton was not acceptable to the military intelligence community and those who manage this issue for a host of reasons. We can move past that. Uh, Clinton was in for eight years. Uh, that delayed it eight more years. And then George W. Bush became president. And uh, as it happens, uh, he was not acceptable to the military intelligence community for a number of reasons. Now, he did have a connection back to his father. And he was uh, an LJ pilot. He He, he appealed to the military, he appealed to the right, but there was a lot of concern about him by the military intelligence community, which was manifest internally from the very get-go. And, uh, and then we had 9-1-1, then we had the Iraq War, which uh, resulted in a substantial breach between him and his father. And so, frankly, George Bush was never, I think, seriously considered to be the disclosure president. So now we go through another eight years, and we arrive at 2000. And eight, and Barack Obama becomes president, as opposed to Hillary Clinton, who we thought would be president. Now, this is just the way it worked out. Um, and I believe that the decision by the Democrats to move forward with the disclosure was, was made back in, 19, in 2004. Uh, and there's some indication that we can talk about that later in the show, that they would uh, have moved to disclose if John Kerry had won but he didn't. And so they shelved that. And now we're 2009 and up with Obama. So, right. We can get into some of the other indicators, but the, the answer why Obama, because he's, he's, he's the one that was up when, when it goes down. This is a controversial question and I want to get it out of the way at the beginning of the interview. 
as I know you're very aware, there has been more media coverage on the UFO topic lately than we've seen in a very long time. Yeah. More than anything is the contrast in which the media engages you now. Not too long ago, they would mock, smirk, and laugh at serious people like you. That doesn't seem to be the case now, and even the big hitters are getting a lot of prime time. I see it two ways. One, they're acclimating or inculcating the subject more for possible disclosure. Or two, and this is the controversial part of the question, it's the culmination of Project Iron Mountain, and they be presenting a fabricated alien threat to unite the world. I see it as subordinating the population to getting us closer to world government. Do you see that as a possibility? Well, uh, honestly, no. Uh, I, I follow the media coverage of this issue more closely than probably any living person on the planet. And if you if you look at the media coverage, which has grown uh, exponentially uh, uh, over the last three and a half years, uh, what you're seeing is the uh, the mainstream reporters and journalists and, and editors starting to come around. Uh, starting to accept the fact that, you know, this thing is real. It's not going away. It's real. And we really ought to start covering it. And that's exactly what they're doing. And they're covering every aspect of the field. They're covering researchers, some activists. They're covering books, conferences, course citing events, government document releases, and a host of other things. And uh, for anybody that wants to confirm that, they would go to my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org the main site, or Google my name, Stephen Bassett with a PH. That site comes up immediately. And then that's a portal to a number of sites. Go to the PRG site, the main site, and look for the, the media archive. And you'll see the end of the media archive, uh, I'm up to about 1,200 articles from 2008. Mainstream English language press, not, not, not alternative, not UFO press, nothing. Just mainstream news and website news. All right. Uh, it's, it's a huge, it's a double double the uh, the number for last year, which is four times the number for the year before. And when you read these articles, what you see is them simply covering the issue. Now, when you move to the higher level uh, media, uh, the top tier, and you read the stuff in the Washington Post, New York Times, LA Times, Chicago Tribune, it's a little more hedged. Uh, and you look at ABC, CBS, but even they are starting to cover this issue more appropriately. I, I, and, and I say this uh, I don't say this casually because I've been brutally criticized, uh, uh, critical of the, the top-tier media, which simply went in the tank on this issue uh, and supported the government truth embargo, either intentionally or by agreement, for 50 years. But they're coming around. We had a, we had a, a consensus op-ed editorial in the LA Times not too many months ago. We just recently had an op-ed editorial in the New York Times. Uh, I was recently contacted by a member of the op-ed board for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, they may do something shortly. Uh, and other articles, front page articles, the Washington Post, the, the uh, Wall Street Journal. So the coverage is there. But when you read the coverage, uh, you don't see anything that, that uh, virtually nothing, that somehow intimates that that's part of a, a pre preparation for a false flag uh, manipulative scenario on the part of the government. What you're seeing is that we're moving closer and closer to disclosure. This is, this is being driven by many things, multiple fronts. And the media's response is just one of many indicators that we're that things are happening, and we're we're getting towards uh, a uh, a resolution of this issue. Steve, if you could remove your mouthpiece a little bit away from your mouth, we're getting some distortion. I'm sorry, I'll do that. Thank you. France, the UK, Brazil, and other countries are declassifying and releasing more UFO files. It seems coincidental that all of this is happening at the same time. Why are they doing that? The answer, in my opinion, is fairly straightforward. Others would disagree. But it's a simple equation. The United States government, either written or oral, entered into understandings with the NATO countries, the first world countries, particularly the NATO countries, our allies in the World War II, and ostensibly our allies in in uh, uh, essentially in, in, in the Cold War as well, that the U.S., they would defer to the U.S. regarding the timing of, of how we're going to deal with this ET question. All the first world nations know there's an ET presence. But who announced it? They deferred to us on this. And I think we understand why. Uh, they, the U.S. was the, the, the free world after, after World War II. 
And, of course, it was the, the, it took the lead in the Cold War, spent trillions of dollars, quote, defending ourselves against the Russian threat, the Soviet threat. So they deferred to us on this. And while the Cold War was underway, it was an easy arrangement. Uh, we kept uh, the, the, uh, the Soviet Union from dominating the world. We, uh, we, we kept their nuclear missiles in their silos. And in return, they deferred to us on this issue and a lot of other things. I'm sure there are many arrangements that are somewhat predicated on that. When the Cold War ended, though, uh, a lot of nations were expecting to see some changes. They were expecting a peace dividend. They were expecting possibly uh, a move on this issue. And that didn't happen. And every day since the Cold War ended in 1991, uh, the other nations in, in the NATO complex have become increasingly dis disenchanted with the United States' policies. And I think we can all agree that that disenchantment pretty much reached a, uh, came to a head uh, about a year and a half to two years into the Iraq war. Our, our um, esteem, the way, the, the esteem at which we are held, all right, uh, across the, uh, the world right now is about as low as it's ever been. Hang on just a second. I want to check something on my computer. I want to make sure I get this right. Um, the shot is this. These nations have lost their patience with us on this. And if we don't act, they're going to. Now, how are they how are they conveying this to us? Well, I'm sure they're saying things behind the scenes, right? Uh, they're saying things to us in, uh, in diplomatic channels or where the intelligence communities uh, communicate. And most people sort of know that there's a whole lot of communication that goes on between first world nations simply through their intelligence services that you don't know anything about. It's not, not the diplomatic core here. We're talking about the intelligence services. And so they convey that to us. But yet we continue to maintain this truth embargo. And so nations have been taking various actions. Two of the most important are, are, are those of France and UK. Uh, France started it in 2000 when they issued a Cometa report through a non-governmental governmental entity called the Cometa Committee, uh, and it was um, populated by a number of uh, high-level generals and other officials, formerly in the French government. And that report clearly stated that the ET hypothesis was almost certainly the explanation for what's going on, and it chided the United States for dragging its feet on this issue. And that was issued in France in 2000. It got some exposure here, but not much, because there, the, the media here was much less cooperative in 2000 on this issue. And then France followed up a number of years later by releasing quite a few documents uh, on, this, uh, on sightings and other reports through their, their uh, space agency. That's another message they were sending to us, meaning we're losing our patience here. Immediately after that, the U.K. made the decision it was going to start dumping sightings and other reports and documents previously classified into the public domain, obviously on the Internet. Um, and the U.K. was quite clever about this. They made the decision that they would release these in a time-release fashion, meaning every so many months they would dump a whole other set of documents out, which had the effect of creating another news cycle. Releasing slowly. Are you following me? Absolutely. So each time they dump documents, a whole new news cycle starts. Uh, and, and, and to make that point, uh, bring that point home, in the last dump, there was uh, you know, a number of reports come out, and invariably, they refer to sightings in various cities here and there. And then each city's newspaper runs an article about, oh, there was a, an event in our city many years ago, and it's in the documents just released. And then one report referred to a, a U.S. airman ordered, uh, serving in Britain, ordered to go up and shoot at a UFO being seen on ground radar. Milton Torres. Right. And he went up there, and uh, when he got there, he realized this thing was as big as an aircraft carrier which probably uh, made him disinclined to shoot at it, but he didn't have to, to, to make the decision because the thing then took off at great speed. He landed his plane and kept his mouth shut because that's what you do when you're in the military. Uh, and he kept his mouth shut until, well, the U.K. released that sighting report a few months ago, and then the media turned up at his doorstep and he told the story again. Wonderful guy and uh, nice man, lives in Miami, and, of course, now the government's got to explain about that. Well, they can't explain about that, so they keep their mouth shut and continue to look foolish. So the U.K. is really putting a hammer down on us. Uh, other nations like Brazil, Mexico are cooperating with UFO researchers. And China, 
which is the real wild card here. China, in case you didn't know it, uh, has no problem with UFO research and encourages it. And there's indication they may be funding it with government money. Um, that's significant. So, uh, and I'm sure our government knows that. I had the privilege of interviewing Milton Torres a couple of weeks ago, and what I believe adds so much credibility to his case is the fact that he was under the radar, no pun intended. He didn't talk to anyone until the British Ministry of Defense declassified and released his file. That's, that, that's, you have to understand, the vast majority of everyone that's encountered this issue while serving in the American or the British or uh, the French or German military are good people who uh, had understandings and agreements as part of their military service, and they honored those agreements right until death. I don't know why people find that strange. The vast majority did. A few have not. Now, I'm, I'm not going to criticize either group. Some criticize those who come forward as, as being traitors. Some consider those who keep their mouth shut as being traitors. Look, I think both people are doing what they think is right. But uh, the number of people that have come forward is a tiny fraction of the total number of people that have intersected this issue, people like Milton Torres. So um, you're going to see more of this, these types of documents coming out. But understand, that's just one of countless reports, sightings, events, incidents that have been researched for 60 years. The evidence for the ET presence is massive and overwhelming. And any debunker that tells you otherwise is simply a fool or a jokester. To expand on the last question, do you believe if the United States does not disclose with a capital D, as you like to mm -hmm. say, will another country do it? And if so, how would that go, and wouldn't that undermine the United States? I wouldn't undermine it at all. Whichever country, whether it be China, UK, France, Canada, the United States, whichever country, in, uh, certainly first world and likely NATO country, except China being the exception, uh, formally acknowledges the ET presence, meaning the government, and the head of government acknowledged the ET presence with the usual accompanying press conference. And almost certainly with some evidence, some gun camera footage from some of their chase planes or whatever else they want to bring out to, to make the point clear they're serious. Whichever government does that, other nations will follow suit in rapid fire. Uh, don't expect any nation to come forward and say, oh, what are they talking about? There's no such thing. Ain't going to happen. And so you'll have a, the domino effect. Bing, 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 bing. Now, some nations may hold out for reasons having to do with uh, uh, the issues they're facing within their country regarding their governance. They may hold out for a while, but uh, quite a few countries will follow suit. So within rapid uh, order, you will, you will have an almost worldwide acknowledgement uh, of the ET reality. It might take as much as two to three weeks. And before we take a break... I want to ask you a question and get your response on the other side. Mm -hmm. How would world religion react post-disclosure? Let's ponder on that one. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Stephen Bassett. Don't go anywhere. And we're back to the Veritas show. We're here with Stephen Bassett. And I just asked him a controversial question. The question that is in everybody's mind, what would happen to the foundation of religion? How would world religion react post-disclosure? Well, I'm not a religious, I'm not a religious scholar. I'm, not, don't, I'm not, certainly not going to pretend to be that. I've talked to some people and read some books by those who are. And I've certainly paid attention to those instances where uh, former religion has commented on, on the subject. And my conclusion is, is that religion is about as ready for this to happen as any other institution, and maybe some cases more prepared. Um, now... Do you mean all religions? Uh, all right, let's break it down. One of the uh, many, many indicators that disclosure is near happens to be the actions of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is a formidable religious uh, uh, institution in our world, with about a billion, if I believe, almost a billion Catholics. And then, of course, there's non-Catholic Christians. But that's a large number. We all know that. And uh, they have great influence. 
they have been um, uh, making some fairly clear statements of late that they're they're fine. They're down. I guess you could say they're down with ETs. Um, it started back in the 90s with uh, Karada Baducci, who was essentially a retired Monsignor, and he had been high in the Vatican, certainly knew the Pope. And in his retirement, he would he was frequently addressing this issue of the ETs. Who recently passed away. And make, yeah, and making it clear that uh, the Church did not see ETs as they're being presented as, 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 as demons or spiritual beings, but rather as, as beings like us, and that they were fine with that, and there was nothing unusual about it, and as far as they were concerned, it only meant that God's creation was even more wonderful than we had, we had previously assumed. And Corrado did that for a number of years. Okay, fine. Now, Corrado uh, recently died, and not too long after that, someone who was not retired, quite a bit younger, and a significant official in the Catholic Church, the, the, the Catholic astronomer, Gabriel Funes holds a press conference and, and says, yeah, we're fine with ETs. We're fine with extraterrestrials. They would be our brothers under God. Uh, rather interesting that he would go to that trouble. You think when well, he just woke up one morning and said, hmm, I think I'll call a press conference and just uh, talk about ETs. I won't tell the Pope, though. I wouldn't want to bother him with that. So uh, that happened a number of months ago. And then on November the 14th, uh, we have a video of the Pope addressing a large group in which he once again brings up the issue that ETs are our brothers under God. The Catholic Church has known about the ET presence for a very long time. They have representatives all over the world, and they've been, those representatives, priests, have been taking confessions from countless millions, hundreds of millions of people, millions of times um, uh, over the centuries, being told, undoubtedly, some of the earliest contact stories, leading right up to the present, uh, whether or not the individual were interpreting it or not. And so they were probably getting indications that something rather profound was going on a very long time ago. Uh, they've established a substantial astronomical presence, and they are ready to go. Uh, so the Catholic Church is fine. The, the Eastern religions are well-versed in this issue. Uh, it turned uh, The ET presence turns up in their ancient texts in a number of ways. These religions are based upon very flexible premises, and uh, very down-to-earth, basic ways of dealing with reality. I have no, no concerns for Buddhism, Hinduism, Shintoism, Taoism, no problem. Um, there is some concern amongst, about Christian fundamentalists. This is a bad rap as far as I, I'm concerned. I think that a number of their leaders have said some things which are inappropriate, but I don't believe that they truly represent evangelicals. I think that they're concerned about it. I think some are concerned there may be a demonic component, but I, I have no doubt that if disclosure uh, takes place, evangelicals will assess it and come to some probably reasonable conclusions about it and not get overly excited. Um, so they're, 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 they're sort of being used as a scapegoat uh, to justify withholding disclosure, and it's a bad rap. Uh, I don't think there's a significant basis for this. Uh, that leaves us with... Uh, the, the, the last major religion that we want to talk about, and that, of course, Islam. is Islam. Is Islam, yeah. And what I have to say about this, Islam, I think, ideologically, shouldn't have a problem. There are a number of aspects of Islamic faith which uh, tend toward uh, or, or incorporate this idea of extraordinary beings. Uh, one of the best known is the concept of the jinn. And if you look at their ideology, it's not that, not that different from Christianity in a lot of ways. Uh, but I suspect there will be more stress on the Muslim world if disclosure takes place for a simple reason. They are under great stress right now. Uh, they're going through a very difficult time, transition time. Uh, they are um, deeply involved with a lot of political issues, global political issues, and Another stressor, like the CT presence, will, will, will simply add to um, this complex of um, pressures that they're feeling. Uh, so it raises the possibility that it might be an irritant. It might create some, some uh, uh, blowback. I'm saying could, but probably not. Uh, the, the ETs, if they are here, 
I think, can easily be disassociated from virtually every issue that is facing the Muslim world. They have concerns with Israel. They have concerns with the United States. They have concerns with their culture being sub subsumed. They have a lot of uh, problems with um, uh, in, amongst themselves. The ETs have got no no stake in any of that. And so I don't. I don't, so on that, on that basis. If anything, the announcement of the ET presence may provide a respite, a a uh, distraction, as it were, from these worldly concerns, and allow them to step back and reassess. Uh, but um, uh, there may be some issues there, and that's it. I mean, my my feeling is, and religion is very adaptable. That's why it's been around so long. Uh, it deals with higher issues, and to put it in the simplest way. Those who feel that ETs are a challenge to faith. It's a real simple equation, all right? Um, uh, ETs are here. That means there isn't a God response. Okay. Where did the ETs come from? Exactly. How did they, how did they happen? Who made them? Right? And nobody has, no, no, nobody has an answer for that, just they don't have an answer for who made the universe. And so all we're going to have is some new species uh, advanced and sentient, added to the uh, menagerie that we already deal with right on our planet, and we'll have a larger universe that we're going to deal with. That's pretty much it, and, and by and large, that doesn't exclude religion in any way. Steve, like you, I always like the parallels of what the Catholic Church did to Galileo and what the government is doing to its people by suppressing information and threatening anyone who's in the know and wants to talk. Mm -hmm. To the popular mind, the Galileo affair is prima facie evidence that the free pursuit of truth became only possible after science, quote-unquote, liberated itself from the theological shackles of the Middle Ages. First, the Vatican built the observatory at Castle Gandolfo and then moved it to Arizona. How do we truly liberate ourselves from the secrecy shackles in order to advance our civilization from type zero to type one? Well, let, let's let's uh, let, let's look at that. It's kind of interesting. Sure. Yeah, it's a famous episode. The Catholic Church was deeply concerned about rearranging the cosmos because they felt it might impact the ability to maintain allegiance to God and the centrality of God and the centrality of the Church. And so they gave uh, those who were leading the Copernican Revolution a hard time, Giordano Bruno and Galileo and others. Now it's uh, 600 years later. Right? Guess what? The Catholic Church is really not standing in the way. They're not going out of their way to turf disclosure, but they're not standing in the way. The people standing in the way are the secularist government of the United States in cooperation with the secularist governments, secularist governments of the free world. Uh, so things have kind of been turned. Now, understand, there's plenty of incidents in the past where governments, not secular governments, in a secular fashion, tried to suppress science or manipulate science or create phony science. So the Catholic Church was never uh, uh, unique there, but uh, now the problem is not the Church. It's not religion suppressing uh, the ET reality and the acknowledgement of it. It is government policy, and that's why this is a political issue, a polit requiring a political solution, not a religious issue requiring a religious solution. And that's another reason why it will go forward, uh, and we will get disclosure because we have enough power in uh, our country and in most of the first world countries to influence government, even though sometimes it feels like we don't. Now, moving away from religion, what would happen to domestic tranquility and social order if we come in contact with a more advanced civilization? Who would continue looking up to the governments for direction? Isn't that of monumental concern to those in control? Do you believe they want to lose control? Well, uh, governments like uh, the much control as they can get, and um, that's true. But the ETs are here, and the government can't do a thing about it. And they come and go as they please. And the, the world's people are increasingly aware of this. And so now it's kind of the reverse, uh, uh, the re reverse of that, uh, that point, namely that the, the continuation of the truth embargo is eroding trust in government, is embarrassing government, and is damaging the social contract, which will, in fact, damage the ability of the government to maintain order and have control. So the truth embargo is now a threat to control, not the maintenance of it. Uh, and that's simply the way it is. Uh, so 
the government now needs to seize the day. It needs to take control of the issue as best it can, and disclosure is the very first step there. Bringing out the ET technology they've been working on for 60 years is the next step, and making it available to the world's people and enhancing uh, our, 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 uh, our, our, our the human condition and also dealing with the huge problems we're facing, that will go a long way to, to regaining uh, public trust and admiration. Because, you see, control ultimately, and every despot of the last 10,000 years learned this the hard way, control within any social arrangement fundamentally comes from trust. If you have people's trust, then you have the ability to persuade and direct them where you want them to go. And if you don't have their trust, then you have to do it through force. And force doesn't work that well. And as we've moved into, I would say, more advanced forms of governance, uh, brute force definitely doesn't work that well. And the examples of those who have tried to do it that way are all around us. And they are usually destroyed, hung, hung by their heels, burned, destroy their countries, turned to rubble. And while that's happened over and over again, there are still those that don't get that message. And they think, I can brutalize people into doing what I want. Well, that just doesn't work anymore. And so the fact is, is that disclosure is really part of a control process, a reestablishment of the social contract, reestablishment of trust, not only the American people in the U.S. government, but the world's people in the U.S. government, and in their other governments who have also gone along with this embargo. Reestablishing trust is the beginning of strengthening the social contract, which leads to order and the ability of government to, quote, control. Now, control, when, in the way I use it, it's not, it's not, it's not some sort of, it's not, it's not the gulag, it's not Nazism. Control is the ability to maintain an orderly state, pass rules and regulations that people comply with, right, for the good of the common. And I, I don't think that's wrong. I don't, I don't think anybody wants anarchy. Very few people want anarchy. I certainly don't. Uh, we, need, we need to have a government which is able to conduct its business in cooperation with the people. And in order to do that, it has to have a certain control over policy and over the affairs of the, of the country. That's not unreasonable as long as it stays within certain boundaries. Isn't the mere fact of not having disclosure stating that we will never cross into type 1 civilization which allows us to tap into our renewable resources, as opposed to where we are now, at type zero and non-renewable resources. Well, we, uh, this process underway, uh, where we're, we're going to acknowledge the ET presence and then get used to it and then probably have open contact with them, formal arrangements with them, I happen to think this has happened countless times throughout the galaxy. This is not new, going back millions of years. This is not unique at all. Every, every, every life-supporting planet that evolves complex life, many of them, will evolve sentient, self-aware life. And that sentient, self-aware life will learn about the world, it will learn about nature and physics, and it will become a powerful uh, species capable of doing great damage and great good. And at some point, that species on that planet has got to learn and become aware that it isn't alone, that there's others out there like it. And so this process of this transition has happened, and I'm, I'm, I would be very surprised if at, every, at, at, the, at the point that this transition needs to take place, extraterrestrials are there. And one day down the line, and not in, in, the near, in the distant future, but maybe not too distant, we may be flying around in the space of an emerging sentient species on a planet that is about to go to disclosure and will be the extraterrestrials trying to deal, help them deal with this painful time, because it is a painful time. It's, it's a coming-of-age of, of deal. We have enormous technology. We're capable of blowing up whole states and, and uh, destroying vast sections of the world. We're capable of, of impacting our environment to the breaking point, and yet emotionally, consciousness-wise, we're still somewhat primitive. So we're we're kind of in an awkward place, and, and uh, they may be here to assist us in that regard, or to just watch us. I don't know. But again, what's going on is not unique. It has happened before countless times. And so that's the way to look at it, and just let's get through it. All right, let's move from, from being uh, uh, a, a, a alone in this galaxy to being not alone, and, uh, and go forward from there and see where it takes us. How do you disclose without also saying 
we are vulnerable to extraterrestrial technology. The mere fact of this closing proves that we're able to reach our planet, right? It's as if natives would fully trust the conquistadores. We supposedly don't have the technology to visit another inhabited planet. Mm. How do we assure the people these, let's call them entities, are not a threat? Well, first of all, by, 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 by uh, repeatedly denying that they're even there is not going to assuage anybody's concerns. Uh, if anything, it just breeds paranoia. So first you acknowledge they're there. All right, then what? Can we guarantee? Could the government guarantee tomorrow that, uh, yeah, ETs are here, but never, don't worry, none of, they'll never do us harm, and no, no other ETs will ever show up and do us harm? I don't think so. Um, the fact that ETs are here, advanced civilizations are here, and I assume they have some pretty, pretty advanced communications capabilities, it's very likely that if a number of ET civilizations know we're here, all ET civilizations know we're here. We need to keep that in mind. So if there's a uh, nasty, if the Borg are out there, right? Those of you that have watched uh, Star um, um, Star Trek Enterprise, uh, if the if the Borg are out there, and they ever decide to come here, we got a big problem. Except for one possibility, that makes total sense. How do humans, in their collective uh, uh, nations, protect uh, themselves from a nation that decides to go bananas by having agreements among themselves wherein the collective is able to, to protect itself from the rogue. And those treaties and arrangements have generally worked occasionally they break down. So would it surprise anybody if there are multiple species out there with advanced civilizations that they have arrangements among themselves so that if the Borg turn up, rather than allow the Borg to rape and pillage the galaxy, they will combine together to ensure that that doesn't happen. And furthermore, to protect emerging sentient life within their biosphere from being abused by, quote, the outcast, the rogue, the venal. Let us hope that is the case. But if the American people are looking for the government to guarantee them that they will never be uh, harmed by any extraterrestrials, they are, uh, they're in for a surprise. The government can't do it. But guess what? Let's drop a list of all the things the government can't be, uh, bad things the government can't guarantee won't happen to us. It's a very long list. So I don't think anybody should be shocked that there's one more thing to add to that list. Now, there's a lot of evidence that can be demonstrated that points to the fact that these DTs don't have our uh, worst interest at heart, that, that that whatever their involvement with us is, it's relatively potentially beneficial and not destructive. There's a reasonable amount of evidence pointing to that, but it's not conclusive. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, they're dealing, we're dealing with complex civilizations who have motives we couldn't possibly, we may not even be able to understand if they told us what their motives were. So there's, a, there's some unknowns here. But again, it's like growing up. When you get to be 13, do you, do you go to your parents and say, look, uh, you need to guarantee me what's going to happen to me over the next 10, 15 years. Uh, you know, am I going to get hurt? Am I going to get harmed? Am I going to have a lot of money? Is everything going to go well? Because if you can't guarantee me that, I'm just not going to become 14. I'm just going to stay 13. Well, you can't do that. And neither can civilizations. What are your thoughts on the supposed non-intervention policy and the fact that they haven't communicated with the people on a more general basis officially as opposed to just governments? They have communicated with us. Uh, there's tons of contact going on on a, quote, non-formal basis with beings. We've got uh, humans. We've got thousands of those reports. There. But the formal contact, open contact, hasn't happened. Now, that there also could be non-formal covert contact to governments. I wouldn't rule it out. There's some evidence for it. I don't think it's beyond a reasonable doubt, but uh, uh, it's possible, right? Um, and this issue of non-intervention, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it was a wonderful idea. I mean, it was a clever idea for Star Trek, but the fact is they broke that, they broke that, uh, that uh, what was it? What was the name of that uh, rule in Star Trek? Um, there was a name for it. Anyway, uh, it, was, it was a bad thing to break it. They broke it every damn episode, right? Uh, 
there's no non-interventionist policy as far as I can tell. What there is is a process that seems to have a pattern that they're following, right? Right. And that's how I see it. I read this quote on a children's encyclopedia last week mm -hmm. from 1926. It says, quote, Man shall never reach the moon, for such a quantity of gunpowder would be needed as to gravely injure the crew. <laughs> Unquote. Yeah. Isn't it part of the paradigm shift breaking the shackles from conventional wisdom, including the science that we know? Of course. The very fact that these craft have been flying around has prompted many, many scientists to actually go try to figure out how they do it and it probably advance a lot of our physics. Simply because they, they see it happening. That, that, that means that it, there's some way to do it. And so they look that much harder. Uh, no, we, we, uh, we, we have to disclose. The ET presence has to be formally acknowledged and, and, and accepted by the, 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 and understood by the, American, the, 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 the human species before we can, we can advance much further. Uh, we, we've sort of reached the limit of what we can do as an enclosed, isolated uh, group. And we're, you know, not doing all that well. So this is the next step. And it opens us up to a new world. I believe that uh, if disclosure takes place in the spring of next year, when I think it could very well happen, I think we'll probably be, we'll have human beings traveling to the stars within 10 years, uh, either in ET craft or in our own versions of them, or interstellar craft, rather, ET interstellar craft, or in our own version of those. Uh, obviously, that's a huge thing, meaning I might live to see uh, a human being go to the stars. I might go to the stars. Um, this is a big deal. And the impact that all of these possibilities uh, have will have on the collective worldview of the human race will be quite dramatic. And it will take years to unfold, but as it unfolds, we will see a very different world, world literally emerge right under our nose. Those are huge but exciting expectations. I like the phrases cosmic watergate or the one you coined the truth embargo mm -hmm. it's been 61 years or more they say 61 years but it could be more we always start counting since the Roswell crash 61 years from keeping us in the dark under the guise of national security a reporter may ask why now why after so many years uh, that's there's a there's a very long answer to that question and a much shorter answer um, the long answer is, is that the principles, they, they turned up on Moss in 47, and the sightings were all over the place. That's as well established. And I would think at that point forward, disclosure could have happened at any time. Uh, but uh, the fact is, our, and when I say that this, this, this process has happened countless times throughout the galaxy, I'm not saying it's been exactly the same. Uh, I'm sure there are substantial variations of this process. But... Um, the fact is, is that we, we initiated that Cold War almost exactly the same time that we, the ETs appeared on Mars. And the Cold War, uh, which was, could have been avoided, was a problem, major. Once those missiles were built, once those warheads were parked on top of them, once they hit triggers, we were on the brink of, of, of a substantial destruction of civilization at any time. And so that problem simply disclosure. I think it would have happened sooner. But with that in place, the, the, uh, those who govern simply said, we cannot, we cannot bring this out while we've got 20,000 nuclear uh, warheads pointed uh, among nations like that. And so that essentially related to 91. Then once disclosure was over, okay, they've got to get their act together and make their move to get this done. Uh, and it was a formidable task, and a challenging one, and they were still worried. And as we know, as I pointed out earlier, from 91 forward, we've had, some, we've had issues which have prompted them to step back. Uh, one of the, the principal reasons was that the U.S. was the lead, and if the U.S. is the lead on whose president matters, particularly to the, to the intelligence and military governing committees. If they were not comfortable with their president, they were afraid to move ahead. And so... Uh, who became and was selected president delayed it some, and we got some additional delay. At the same time, they were ma making their calculations. The public awareness was growing, the number of sightings was mounting, the research was piling on, more evidence, more photos, more, more uh, photography, more uh, 
documents, more accounts. Of course, the ducky evidence started pouring in. And so there was a, how would you say, a, they had a limited, there's a limited amount of time here. They can only maintain the embargo so long once we get to that level. The rise of the Internet, satellite communications, um, YouTube, all of this, all of this technology has put huge pressure on this embargo. And so the fact is, is that circumstances may have delayed it 60 years, but it's over. And while they, if they, they may wish to contemplate further delay, they're whistling Dixie. It ain't going to happen. So they need to get on with it, and they need to end it now. So it's a confluence of circumstances, a very complicated multiple variable set. But if you look at it in, uh, in, a, uh, in a larger picture, and look at the history from 47 to 2009, you can kind of see why it took, it ended up taking 62 years. Steve, we're getting a little bit of distortion again. At any rate, before I ask you the next question, I'm just thinking about something that I discussed with Milton Torres. He used the analogy of death when referring to disclosure and its acceptance. We don't like to accept the reality of death, but it happens. Disclosure will be another reality that we'll have to accept. Sure. Now, after what you said about the Cold War, Let's go back to 2001, National Press Club 2001, the Disclosure Project, formidable job by Dr. Stephen Greer. Do you believe that if September the 11th hadn't happened, the attacks, the initiative would have gotten more traction? Absolutely. Um, the May 9th, 2001 press conference was a significant event. It's been criticized, uh, but when you're operating in, uh, with issues like this level, you're going to get plenty of that. It's a very significant event, and uh, I'm aware that the media were responding and that significant things could have been forthcoming. Uh, and I've talked about that a little bit. ABC News was, was planning to interview some of the witnesses for, uh, for vetting and for Nightline and so forth, and the international press was quite excited. Simple fact is, is that only four months later, uh, June, July, August, September. Um, bingo. Nine one one. Right. And that's the ball game, and that's just the way it is. Uh, so now, and 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 not, they were not connected. Nine one one happened. There's enough stuff going on out there that that things like that are going to happen. A lot of bad behavior. Human race has got plenty of bad behavior on any given day. So uh, the 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 benefits of the disclosure projects efforts were blunted. And that's, that's just unfortunate, but believe me, if you look at history, there have been countless, countless instances over the last 10,000 years where some really um, important work and significant uh, developments uh, regarding human advancement were shut down because of this, this mistake, that invasion, this calamity. Uh, we built up huge amounts of knowledge of the ancient world, and then somebody came and burnt the library down in Alexandria. What can I say? One step forward, two step back. And that's still the case. We, we need to get better at that. Uh, we need to develop a species that's, that, that, that takes two steps forward and one step back a little more frequently. Uh, perhaps we'll, we'll, we will get better at that in the future. But, yeah, uh, 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 the, the Disclosure Project was on track to – to, I think, generate substantial advanced public interest in this. And uh, tragically, it was, uh, it was, it was uh, um, dramatically uh, set back by 911. Steve, before we take another break, I want to ask you this question. But first, let me say this. At that time, I did my small part by helping Dr. Greer. I sent a request to my congressman, and I'm sure hundreds of thousands of other people did, only to receive a boilerplate template letter stating, sorry, we no longer investigate UFOs because there's no evidence to it. Why do you believe your million facts on Washington campaign will result in a different outcome? Okay. You want me to answer that after the break? After the break. All right. We'll be right back with Stephen Bassett. Fascinating interview. Don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section. Head on over to our website, VeritasShow.com, click on subscribe, and join us in the members area to tune in to the second part of this great show. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more. <laughs> 